the way I see it is if you're 100% dependent on a single source of income, what happens when that income source gets taken away or reduced or you get laid off? Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have an exceptional guest to share with you today. Only 27 years old, former financial advisor, Rachel Richards has made a name for herself in the personal finance realm. In 2019, Rachel quit her job and retired with over $10,000 a month in passive income. And she's the best-selling author of Money, Honey, and Passive Income, aggressive retirement. She's been featured on the Penny Hoarder and the New York Times and has been contracted to speak at colleges as well. Her valuable money lessons have helped thousands of millennials work their way out of financial despair. She has successfully done what no one has done before, made the topic of money management fun, entertaining, and simple. Three things the world needs right now very much given what's going on. Rachel, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is great to have you here. Thank you, Dr. Richard. I'm so excited to be on. So this is going to be super fun and super timely, given what's going on in the world where so many people are concerned about money. So but before we get into it, I do want to take a little bit of a dive into the story. So 27 years old, you've retired in 2019, which most people listening to this have probably not retired. So take us through the story and how you got on this path of financial freedom and what led you to it. Yeah, for sure. I have always been passionate about learning about finance. So as long as I can remember, I've read books about money and real estate investing. And even in college, I was excited to start investing in real estate because from what I learned, I kind of saw it as one of the best tools for building long-term wealth. So it was all, always my goal to get invested in real estate. Um, at age 24 in 2017, my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time actually, but everything worked out okay and we're married now. Um, but we bought our first duplex together and we were in Louisville, Kentucky at the time. Um, the duplex cost $100,000. So we put 20 grand down, um, very cheap, you know, very low cost of living area. And we were able to come up with that money because we both graduated without debt. I paid my way through college selling Cutco cutlery and Andrew had his military benefits because he is a veteran. So we were both pretty responsible. We were able to save up that 20 grand, you know, in a couple years and we invested together. Um, later that same year, I published my first book, which is Money Honey. And it has gone on to become wildly successful, more successful than I ever could have thought possible. So then I had that income stream going. Um, we focused on growing those two income streams as much as we possibly could over the next few years. So we were buying more rental units. I published my second book. Um, fast forward to last year when we ended up with over 35 rental units total. And then I had my two books. And in February, I just had my first 
$7,000 month in book sales. So both of these income streams are pretty large at this point. And that's how I was able to retire last year and quit my job. That's fantastic. And what I, what I love about this is that you've basically made it your mission to help people who haven't done this duplicate if it, what you've done so that everybody can retire early, which is fantastic. So somebody listening to this saying, well, that's really great, Rachel. Uh, I do have student debt or I don't have a spouse uh, with military benefits, you know, if they have a spouse at all. So if somebody is coming at this from ground zero, so to speak, how do you get started on this path? How do you get started doing what you did? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, the first thing that you do before you even start thinking about passive income is just making sure everything else is in order financially. You know, making sure your high interest debts are paid off and that you have money in emergency savings and that you're prepared for when, you know, there is a bear market or there is a recession and, and you're being responsible with your money, you know, saving X percent each month. So kind of making sure you have all the basics and the fundamentals down. And then it becomes more about, okay, how do I diversify my income? Because I think one mistake people make is thinking that having a full-time salaried position is safe and secure. And that means job stability. And that means income stability. You know, The, the way I see it is if you're 100% dependent on a single source of income, what happens when that income source gets taken away or reduced or you get laid off? So um, I think the better way to go about it is to do something called income diversification. How can you have multiple sources of income? So that way, when one piece gets reduced or impacted in some way, you still have all these other income streams coming in. And that's where you then begin to think about passive income and how can you build up other income streams. Um, when you're first starting out with passive income, the first question to ask yourself is, okay, do I have more time or more money? Because passive income is no get-rich-quick scheme, right? It does take time or money to create. Now, if you're like me, you'll probably answer, well, I have neither. I don't have time or money to that question. That's how I felt a few years ago. So then the question becomes, well, which one can you free up more of? Can you free up more time or can you create more money? Because you will need one or the other to create passive income. So let's start with money. If you don't have a lot of the money to jump in to investing in real estate as you did, what are some some quick tips there to, to start getting some of that? For sure. So in my book, Money Honey, I talk about this concept called the golden number. And your golden number is simply your monthly income minus your monthly expenses. Okay. So it's how much you're saving each month. Now, when I ask this question in workshops, I'll say, hey, what things do you do to save up money quickly? If you're trying to save up for concert tickets or a car repair, what do you do to save money quickly? Most of the time, people will say things like, you know, I'm going to cook at home more. I'm going to, you know, make my coffee at home. I'm going to shop less. Okay, so those are great responses. What I noticed though is that all of those responses are focused on one thing decreasing your expenses. And decreasing your expenses is very, very important because we obviously need to get our spending in line and making sure that we're living within our means. So we definitely need to focus there. But there's only so much you can do to decrease your expenses, right? You can't call and negotiate your mortgage or rent. You can't stop paying your utility bill in the middle of winter. So there's a little bit of a limit there. So what I tell people is that there are exactly two ways to save more money. 
Because if you're trying to come up with extra money, there's, there's exactly two ways. Number one, decrease your expenses. Number two, I'll give you one guess, <laughs> increase your income. And I love number two because it is unlimited. There's no cap on how much money you can make in a year. There's nothing stopping you from going out and making more money. So if you're trying to make an impact and you're trying to come up with more money so that you can then create passive income, those are the two ways. Decrease your expenses, increase your income. Now, in terms of increasing your income, there's a few ways you can go about that. I can give a few ideas here. There are, you know, if you're employed already, an easy thing you can do is go for a raise or go for a promotion. If you don't have that opportunity, you can get a part-time job, a temporary job. You can house it, babysit, um, mow lawns, shovel snow, anything like that. Those are all active ways of earning income, but those are pretty easy and you can do those quickly. There's also ways you can just make money once where it's not necessarily an ongoing income stream, but it's also very quick to do. So one of the things I love to do is just sell old stuff that I'm not using anymore. This is very easy to make a few hundred bucks this way. So things around my house, an old picture frame, a piece of furniture I don't need. I'll sell those things on Facebook Marketplace. I've had a lot of success with Poshmark and selling old clothes on Poshmark through the app. And I've made hundreds of dollars that way. So there's so many different things you can do to make money right now. Let's talk about right now, because right now the world is a very different place than it was a number of months ago. So with the coronavirus impacting people in so many different ways, what advice have you given people around what to do with their money during this time? Yeah, there's a, there's a, a few things to think about here. The first thing I would say is anytime something like this happens, it's interesting because certain industries are booming, right? Uh, pizza delivery, grocery stores are hiring like crazy. I even think I heard Papa John's a few weeks ago announce that they were hiring, hiring 20,000 new employees effective immediately. So if you have been impacted, your income has been reduced, you've been laid off, you can still go out there and make income. You can get, you can work as an Uber driver or a Lyft driver or you know, DoorDash, Instacart, any of these delivery services, because all of those are crazy right now. They need people. So it's interesting because you can always find industries that actually need more help during one of these bear markets or recessions. So that's number one, is just kind of being creative, thinking outside of the box. Um, you know, don't have too much pride about you know, finding a temporary job, finding ways to make money right now. You got to do what you got to do to get by. Um, another thing to think about is, you know, coming into this, I think a lot of people felt unprepared. I think there's a statistic I read recently that said, you know, over 50% of Americans have less than 500 bucks to deal with an emergency. Like they wouldn't be able to deal with a $500 expense if that happened. So if you're somebody that maybe doesn't have enough in their emergency fund or that you felt, man, if I had taken my emergency fund more seriously or really tried to beef that up, I would be feeling a lot better right now. I think that goes for most people right now because we're all really, really feeling it. So I think something we can take out of this is, okay, well, what, what am I happy with with the way I prepared? What am I not happy with? How can I learn and grow from this? What am I going to take from this so that I am better prepared the next time this will happen? Because this will happen again. We have recessions about once every 10 years. So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And this is certainly an unusual recession because of what, what sparked it, to be sure. Uh, there's something that, that I'm curious about, and I alluded to this in your intro, that you've helped thousands of millennials with their financial success and find their way out of financial despair. So 
What's different about finances for millennials in your experience and some of these other groups you've worked with? Oh, yeah. I love this question. So in my newer book, which is Passive Income Aggressive Retirement, I talk about retirement and the traditional way we've saved for retirement. Traditionally, I call it the nest egg theory. So traditionally, we save a bunch of money and that so that by age 65, we have this huge sum of money or this nest egg so that we can live off of that for the rest of our retirement. That's what we have traditionally done. I think it's worked pretty well up till now. But the thing is, a lot of things have changed. Um, first of all, we have a longer life expect- expectancy. So that means we're having to fund more years of retirement. Um, secondly, this is very alarming for millennials. The Social Security Trust Fund is projected to be fully depleted by the year 2035. Okay, that is 15 years from now. That's directly from their website. They do an annual report every year, and that is the latest information. So that is worrisome because a lot of people are assuming that they're going to have that income to rely on during retirement. But now the assumption that millennials have to make is that that income is not going to be there at all. And that is very scary. Um, The third huge thing that has changed a lot in recent decades is the cost of college. It has increased a ton and that has placed an enormous burden on my generation in terms of student loan debt and kind of graduating college and being set back a lot more than our parents were. So there's a lot of different things that have changed in the past few decades. And in my opinion, that makes this nest egg theory very, very hard to achieve. I have read many articles and studies that have shown that millennials will need to accumulate at least $2 million by age 65 in order to retire. Okay, that's a lot of money. I don't know about you, but I don't know like many multimillionaires, right? If any. So, you know, looking around at my friends and thinking we're all going to have to come up with $2 million to retire, that just feels overwhelming. I mean, I don't even know how realistic that is. So that's why I think that our generation in terms of finances, we're going to have to find a different way to do things. And that's why I'm such a big believer in passive income because in my opinion, anyone at any age and on any income can start creating passive income. And once your passive income exceeds your living expenses, that's when you become financially independent. You don't have to wait until you're 65. You don't have to scrimp and save for 40 years working a nine to five job. That doesn't have to be the only option anymore. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. And you talked to us a little bit, you mentioned some of these differences, and, and I've heard that Social Security stat as well. Uh, but the student loans thing's interesting. Talk to us about things that you can do to offset these massive student loans if you have them and still begin creating passive income. 
For sure. I think it starts with even before you get into college is really looking at all of your options. I mean, do you necessarily need a four-year bachelor degree? Can you go into a trade or vocational school instead? Because a lot of those trades, you know, electricians, plumbers, those are we're seeing a shortage right now. And those people are making a lot of money. We need more of those people going forward. So that can be another option. Um, something that people are starting to do, which I think is brilliant, is they're starting their college at a community college that's a lot, lot cheaper. And then after two years, they're transferring into a public university or a more well-known university so that they actually finish up their degree there. And that can save a ton of money. Now, if you're somebody that's already graduated and you're wondering, okay, I have all this student debt, how do I deal with this? Um, One thing to look at, and I'm going to say to be careful with this, but you can consider student loan consolidation. And that's where you take all of your different student loans, all of your federal, private, whatever they are, and you simplify everything by making it one big loan, hopefully with a lower interest payment or a lower interest rate, and that will save you more money. The mistake I see people making though when they do student loan consolidation is they will consolidate the loan and actually the term of the loan will be extended. So it'll be even longer and they see the payment going down and they think, oh wow, my payment is lower. So I'm saving all this money. But in fact, that's not the case. It's just that the term has been extended. That means that you're actually going to be paying a lot more in interest rate over the life of the loan. So if you are going to consolidate your loans, make sure you're getting a lower payment by reducing the interest rate and not by just extending the term of the loan. All of that makes perfect sense. I know one of the tenants that that you live by is cash flow versus cash cash reserves, but that's an unusual concept for a lot of people. So. T- Take us through a little bit why cash flow can be more important in some sense than cash reserves. Yeah, and and that's a good question, doctor. I don't know if I would say one or the other is more important. I do think that focusing on cash flow can get you to financial independence sooner. Um, Am I saying to have zero dollars in savings? Definitely not. You know, one of the things I recommend is you have a thousand dollars set aside for emergencies. Then you have at least three to six months worth of living expenses set aside. You know, that way, if all of your income for some reason goes away, you can support yourself for several months until you can get back on your feet. Um, You know, one of the things that I was looking at when we were building passive income, our first goal was okay, I want to at least replace my full time income before I quit my job. So we got to that point. I was kind of scared to quit my job still. And so then we thought, okay, well, what if we get to $10,000 a month in passive income? That way, we've totally covered my full-time income. We've more than replaced our living expenses. And we're still going to be able to save a few thousand dollars each month. That, in my opinion, is ideal. Because that way, you have a buffer and we're still working on saving up money. And you can just basically have the best of both worlds. I love that. So people listening to this... Hearing your story, thinking, you know, I, I don't know that I want to write a book, and I don't know that real estate's necessarily for me. What are some of the other top ways that people can generate passive income outside of real estate? Yes, I'm glad you asked. I outline 28 different passive income models in the book. So there are tons of ideas out there. There's definitely something for everybody. And the great news is you don't have to try all 28. You just need to find one or two that work for you. 
and the rest is easy. Um, a few of the other ones, you know, even if you don't want to own a rental property, you can invest in REITs or a Fundrise to generate rental dividends and make more money that way without directly owning a rental property. Um, also, there is a clever website called Neighbor. And Neighbor lets you list extra rooms in your house for storage space. So if you have an extra bedroom or closet or garage space, you can list your space on Neighbor and make, rent- and make rental income that way, basically. Because somebody who's looking for a storage facility or storage unit, maybe they can rent out your space instead, save money, and then you're making money. So that's a great idea for passive income. Um, besides rental income, there is... Um, Coin-operated machines is a big category. So if you think of vending machines as an example, you can buy vending machines, put them in locations. Once a week, you go around and collect money and you restock the machines. So very passive. And you can outsource that part to somebody else as well. So that's a really unique idea. Um, At one point, I was getting really serious about a laundromat. This is an interesting passive income idea. I was going to go down this road and and consider opening a laundromat. And then I ended up finding more rental properties to acquire. But it's really cool because you buy all the equipment, you put it up, you can make it very automated and hands-off. You can set up a security system. People go in and use the coin-operated machines on their own, on their own time, and then you just collect the income. Um, Now, that can be a little bit daunting thinking about opening up an entire business. So another thing to consider is... Well, can you work with property owners in your area and just put coin-operated laundry machines in their buildings? You know, if you have two here and you have three or four here, that can be very passive as well. Um, another thing, another big category of passive income is royalty income. So that's where the books fall into place, but there are other ways to generate royalty income. So if you're somebody that you have more knowledge and expertise than the average person, how can you teach that knowledge to them? and teach it passively. Books is just one of the ideas. You could also do an online course. That's something new that I've actually been doing recently. So those are a few ideas. I could go on and on, but that kind of gives you a start. Those are great. And I know you said there were 28 of those in the book. So we'll just have to check those out for sure. Um, I want to take a look and talk a little bit about the potential dangers and and dark side of, of passive income. So what are the biggest mistakes that you've seen people make and and how to avoid those pitfalls when going into this for the first time? I would say one of the biggest mistakes um, with royalty income specifically, you have to be able to market your service or market your product, whether it's a book or if you're a musician and you're marketing your music or if you're doing an online course. The number one mistake people make is not being able to articulate why someone should buy your book over the thousands of books that are already out there. So I'll give you an example of this. When I was writing Money Honey, you know, there are thousands of books about personal finance. It's probably one of the most popular topics. So how was I going to possibly compete against everyone that was already out there with an amazing book? One of the things I realized is that my friends and family were coming to me throughout college for financial advice because I was a super passionate. I went on to become a financial advisor. And then I began to wonder why they weren't learning on their own or reading books or reading websites. And then, of course, I remembered, well, duh, money is a boring topic for most people. It's overwhelming and intimidating and dull. No wonder people don't enjoy learning about it. I mean, it's dry. So then I thought to myself, well, how can I take this topic and make it sassy and fun and humorous and simple? Something I don't think anyone has been able to do yet. 
And that's exactly what I did. And I think that's why it has resonated so well with female millennials because I finally took this topic and I made it easy and approachable and accessible. So that's the first thing is really understanding if you're going to create royalty income, what is your unique value proposition? What is the market need? What is the problem that you're solving for people? You have to be able to articulate that. Um, Another mistake I think people make is probably just poor bookkeeping. Um, When you're starting any business, you have to ensure that you're protecting yourself financially. That means keeping good records. That means if you need to have insurance, you have good insurance. Um, Putting disclaimers in your books, you know, working with a CPA, getting everything in order so that that you're completely protected. Um, And one thing I'll say is I do have a passive income bonus kit that I will give to your audience for free. And in that kit, it does include the top three deadly mistakes that people make when creating passive income. Also tons of free resources and tools, lots of fun activities. It's just a five-page PDF. So you can download that at moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus. Moneyhoneyrachel.com forward slash bonus. And we'll have that linked in the show notes as well. So anybody who missed that can get that for sure. Awesome. Well, this has been fantastic, Rachel. Timely advice during uncertain times. So I'm grateful you came on and shared your wisdom with us today. As you know, I wrap up every episode by asking my guests a single question. That is, what is your biggest helping? That one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? I would say anybody can do this. I am no more special or smart or hardworking than anybody else out there. Anyone at any age and on any income can absolutely achieve financial independence. I love it. And give us that URL one more time where people can connect with you. Yes, moneyhoneyrachel.com forward slash bonus. Beautiful. And again, we'll have that linked in the show notes for this episode at thedailyhelping.com as well as in Rachel's section in the Daily Helping app available in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Well, Rachel, thanks for coming on the show today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Dr. Richard. Absolutely. And I want to thank each and every one of you as well who chose to listen to this episode. If you like what you heard, go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that's what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today, do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are. Post in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 